Hey, are you looking to evolve to a higher level of existence? To practically harness spirituality and personal growth in a crazy, busy, imperfect world? Then you've come to the right place. My name is Prash and this is Urban Spirituality, the show which fuses ancient wisdom with contemporary spiritual practices to deliver value-adding tools, traits, and insights to help you live your fullest potential. We always keep it real, featuring authentic, unfiltered dialogue with guests from diverse backgrounds to inspire, entertain, and enlighten all who listen. So get ready for your dose of urban spirituality. Be present and let's dive in. Susie, we're so happy to have you on the show because your background in psychology and your obvious penchant and passion for committing that which is in your mind and your intellect and your heart into the written form. It's a special gift. Not everybody has that. And to be able to write in a way that is accessible and relatable to people without the poetry, without the prose sometimes, and without the excessive clinical precision um, that sometimes puts people off. I think that's a gift. It's a, it's a balancing act. So we're so happy to have you with us on the show. I want to ask you first and foremost, what top two fears have you been recently grappling with since we're talking about fears? It's a very good question. And I had a feeling you were going to ask and I have no idea where I'm going to go with it now. That was kind of the idea. Kind of the idea. I think two recent fears. Um, well, one recent fear has been the fear of uncertainty. And I have just in the past couple of weeks decided to, you know, pack up my life, move to a different country, <laughs> uh, leave my job, um, leave friends, go traveling solo, all of these things that I have always wanted to do, but had always stayed sort of within my safety net. Um, up until recently and so one of the fears that I had was you know what on earth is going to happen will I be caught will I be okay how do I figure out all of the logistics of my life but I've decided to just throw myself in at the deep end um and yeah it's just feeling it and just going for it anyway I'm trying to think of the second fear that I've been facing recently or that you've overcome something I've overcome I have I have my whole life had a huge fear of judgment that has been the one for me that just has completely knocked me out wow. that contributed to some severe bouts of depression it contributed to a lot of anxiety um, panic attacks all sorts of stuff I really that for me was the fear that just would niggle its way in. And the thing is with fear is that once it gets comfortable and you leave it there, it, it, it grows and it grows and it grows and it becomes at home in your mind, in your heart, and um, it can grow so much that you end up right. bound by it and then choose to just live with it there and not take yeah. it Which doesn't help you reach your full potential at all so for me having been bullied as well as a child I think it had created that neural pathway in my head so already strong. yeah that I wasn't pretty enough I wasn't intelligent enough I wasn't creative enough I wasn't fun enough all of these things I think everybody's fears at the end of the day comes down to some version of I am not enough. I am not good enough. And uh, for me, that fear of judgment was crippling. It really, it really right. had me stop taking opportunities so many times in my life until a light bulb went off and I thought, ah, oh, I think I figured this thing out. You've got to really just stare this fear in the face. Right. Have it by the hand and uh -huh. say, hey, like, I'm going to be friends with you. You're not going anywhere. So I might as well learn how to use this as fuel in my life to 
yeah, just enough outside of my comfort zone that I can make a difference, that I can grow, that I can evolve, and that I can achieve whatever it is that I want to achieve. Right. So, yeah, that was a big one for me. That's massive. I, I think a lot of people could relate to that particular one because that am I good enough is something that's so insidious and so subtle that it's not recognizable straight away. You don't even know you've got that, right? Sometimes you don't realize that the validation that we seek in our life is due to that. Sometimes we think we're just asking for validation because we just want to ask our mates, hey, did we do good at this? Are we, hey, what'd you think? What'd you think? But actually sometimes some of the strangest behaviors that people have originate from that fear of you know, not being good enough or not feeling that you're good enough. And that really has its roots often in childhood, you know, as you've very rightly described. Tell us, Susie, I mean, you, you've had such a, you've had an interesting background because, you know, you've spent time in multiple countries. Uh, you, you're born in Egypt, but you spent time in Japan. Tell us about your journey for a few minutes, about that background and how that shaped you. Well, I was born in London but I'm Egyptian originally Okay. and raised in Japan for the first four years, then came back to the UK and moved every city, home, school. Wow. And then um, moved to Canada for a bit, moved right. to Egypt for a bit. So I, I really have had such a blessing to have the opportunity to meet countries that have completely opposite cultures. <laughs> Um, yeah complete polar opposites yes and growing up i think the two predominant cultures in me are there was like that english side of me and there's that egyptian side of me and those cultures not be more opposite if you find and so i think i grew up very um well confused for a long time as in terms of what was right and what was wrong because their moral codes are just so different um and their values are quite different as well. But I think that that actually really forced me to find myself and find my own balance and find what my moral code was. And it was a messy journey and it took like testing boundaries and um, falling flat on my face a few times. But, right. but through that, I think I've really sort of, I, I, it really helped me find my sense as an individual. And when I found my power in myself, uh, everything else really fit into place for me. Um, but growing up with with all of those cultures and um, being able to see the world through so many different lenses and so many different people in my life, I think it made me love connection. And that's, I think, had a massive impact where I am today and why I choose to do the things that I do today. I love really meeting people and I love psychology because I love behavior. I love, I love understanding what drives people, what motivates people. Um, yeah. So I just, I, I love people <laughs> and I think that's because I'm moving around a lot. I love that. Well, talking to people, what is it from that background that you've had and from that melting pot of cultures and living experiences that you've had, what is it that you regard as your mission in life? At the Susie that's sitting on the sofa right now comfortably with that very fine specimen of a banana plant behind you. What is that Susie's mission in life at the moment? my mission is to just be authentic and real to the highest degree right in a way that gives other people permission to be authentic and real as well mm -hmm. and I have a mission to I'm what I you know I love meeting people like yourself crush I call us seekers people who seek wisdom yeah. seek growth um, and who commit their lives to growing yeah and i think my mission is to just i mean touch move and inspire as many people as i can really that is powerful yeah 
and just and you know what and just do it with with fun and with connection and peace and love like really all of that hippie stuff i am here to do <laughs> well wait a minute let's let's talk about the hippie stuff because you know <laughs> you know we're in a, we're in the middle of that that a spiritual revolution right i mean what happened in the 60s before our time you know probably our parents time what happened in the 60s is having a resurgence in its own way right there's a counterculture people are beginning to shun aspects of materiality i know people have actually gone back to smartphones to uh, regular mobile phones old pre-smartphone smartphones they, they're just giving them up i know people are kind of turning their backs on the whole um they don't want internet connections. They're getting rid of it. I know people have given up TVs, given up Netflix subscriptions. They're like, no, I just want to live like it was the 1980s or 70s or something. Probably the 70s. Um, and, and without a microwave for a couple of years. Oh, wow. So you know. So, and you survived, right? You're here. You're smiling. You survived. You thrived. So, um let's let's explore that for a second tell us about your spiritual side what is what is spirituality to you uh, and how does it show up for you in your life that is a very very big question what is spirituality to me i think really my spiritual journey i've just understood that there is such beauty simplicity and power in just being I don't have to be anything, any label, any word. It's just about being. And I think my, I've always to um, my spirituality. Ever since I was a very young child, I would sit there. I mean, after my mum put me to bed and I was supposed to be like asleep, I would be like up staring at the rain for... Yeah. And just philosophizing about life <laughs> and what it yeah I think I've always had a very inquisitive soul I've always um, loved to dig deep I'm not one for small chat I love getting into the deep end of the into the deep end of the conversation and yeah, yeah I think for me, screw the small talk let's just get right right down into stuff that matters right yeah all I right conversations with people and I'm, I'm lucky it happens you know I can have a conversation with somebody and I can know about their their life story and then I'm like sorry what was your name and I love <laughs> having a like that That's so and, cool yeah it's amazing and, it, and it, I think people really crave it I think people want to be seen they want to be heard and yeah I mean, that's kind of my spiritual journey it's like hearing and seeing other people is a way that you can hear and see yourself so cool, yeah. Yeah, and one of my favorite quotes is something along the lines of, you can only ever meet another person as far as you've met yourself, or you can only ever reach another person as far as you've reached yourself. Mm. And to me, spirituality is, part of it is that meditation, it's that coming inward, it's that looking within, and part of it is connecting out there and looking at others and, and practicing your love and your peace and attention mm -hmm. I think it's all one and the same I like that so for you here in your life what if there was one would you regard as a an epiphany moment something that set you off uh, that really blossomed your journey that set you in the direction that you are, the kind of spiritual seeker, the psychology enthusiast, the person who went on and did Zumba, the person who went on and worked in the city. What if there was one was an epiphany moment? I think every epiphany moment I've had in my life, and there definitely was one that, you know, there was like, there's always one big event that kind of set Yeah, me. right. And totally. The negative bad thing that happens that is the thing that sets you off mm. and for me when I was seven um, my my dad left and my parents had a horrible divorce and I hadn't seen my dad for 
11 years. And I had seen my mum heartbroken. And I don't want to go too far into it because actually it's all a story. Hmm. Um, and there are multiple stories, to- like so many perspectives to it and God knows what the truth is. But hmm. I think for me that, that had sh- that had shaken me so much. Plus, at the same time, I was being really badly bullied at school, and I was texting Kevin, um, like physically bullied. Like I'd have people like taking my arms and like scrape my like knuckles mm. against brick walls, and like I was really. It was this really strange oh. me where I was just I couldn't make sense of my world, and. I think what really stuck with me as well were the words that people said. A lot of people used to make fun of, or not make fun of, but actually I made that mean that, but people would make a lot of comments on how I looked and I was so aware how different I was, you know. I was very much, and I felt like an Egyptian girl in an English. Right. That, you know, everybody had like long, straight, blonde hair and I had crazy, wild, curly, brown hair and everything. Right. I'm like this giant <laughs> and I, I became very aware of my differences and I think all of that happened in one space of time and that initially had knocked my confidence massively and that's what stemmed my fear of judgment from other people um, you know because I'd have people making comments on whatever it is so um I was really shaken at that age. My confidence was really low. I made everything mean that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough for my dad. I wasn't good enough for my mum. I wasn't good enough for people at school. I wasn't pretty enough at school. Um, I wasn't smart enough at school. I just, all of these things. And actually, when I look back, I think none of that was actually true. But I definitely internalised it. And so by the time I got to about 10, my mum, a lot to put me in front of the secret i don't know if you've watched that documentary or if you've read that book but at 10 years old that changed my life because it was talking about the law of attraction and um the idea that what you what you put out is what you get back um, right about gratitude and i just was overwhelmed i till now if i watch it i cry all the time because it gets me how how magical I just knew that was true for me for me I just thought there is magic in this I don't have to be a victim I don't have to crumble I don't have to run away with the story I can make something of all of this I can make nice yeah I can I can I can take the lesson and not have it be this big gray cloud above my head like that I like that um Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about fear and let's have you share an experience of fear that happened in Cairo. Take me back to Cairo. Something happened in the taxi um, and you can spare us the detailed version. Um, but if you'd care to give us a glimpse of something that happened um, and what that did for you, and uh, that would be great. So what's interesting about this story, and I, I use this one as a analogy because it kind of it talks about two types of fear from life. So I'll explain the story first. I was in Cairo at the time. I well, it was three days before I was meant to get a flight back home to the UK to start university. And I was I got downstairs, I went into a taxi, which I did every single day, that's how I learn Arabic. And I was going to go to work pick up my last paycheck. So as far as I was aware, it was going to be a good day. <laughs> and then, yeah. then, long story short, he locks the door because he says, you know, he wants to keep safe. I thought, okay. And then he told me he was going to go down a different route to work that I'm used to because of the traffic. And I thought, this is Cairo. There's traffic all the time, everywhere, but okay. And it turns out that I was driven an hour out of Cairo locked in this car and this man pulls out this knife and 
just starts screaming at me, saying, give me your money, give me everything. And he starts slashing me on my leg. And I swear to you, like I felt this knife, like, you know, kept kept sort of brushing on my leg because I was using my handbag at the time. Wow. And bear in mind, we're on the motorway. Right. Motorway, God knows where. Actually, we were surrounded by the slums, so worst part that I could have been in um so of course fear kicked in and he ended up stealing my bag my money my passport my phone my keys my perfume everything (laughs) like everything had gone and he had kept me in the car for a while at this and I actually oddly had stayed quite calm um even though I was terrified I just said please let me have the car and I don't know what saved me, but he ended up unlocking the doors. He said, if you're going to get out, get out now. And I'm thinking, I'm on the motorway. While the car's moving, right? At speed. Yeah, and the guy's got a knife in his hand, (laughs) and he keeps trying to hurt me with it. Um, And it literally, it really did touch me three times. It was like across my leg. And uh, so I opened the door, and in true Fast and Furious, Style, I, no way. Yeah, I out the, the moving car. Oh man. I didn't even get my second foot out by the time it had, like, it was gone. The door was not shut, like, everything. It was just, he was off. And I was stranded on this highway, God knows where, with nothing. Nothing. Your passport's gone, your handbag's gone, your cash is gone, everything. Everything. And I'm really fearful at this point. I That's fear. Wow. <laughs> But it's amazing because I saw the best and the worst of humanity in the space of five minutes that day. Because about five minutes later, I had a taxi. I had a bunch of men had stopped, saw the incident. They were talking to me. I didn't understand anything. Because what happens when you're in fear, when you're in, when your sort of primal survival level is getting triggered, this whole part of your brain, which is your fear center. Your reptile brain, right? Your and what it does is it actually shuts off your prefrontal cortex, which is your intelligence center. So I'm in the middle of Egypt trying to speak language, trying to understand the language. Nothing was going through at all. I just kept saying, bag, knife, <laughs> man, taxi. Like I was not. Wow. Was, um, it, was, it was, you know, something to behold for sure. But then a taxi man, another guy who had an empty taxi, said, jump in. And at this point, I had no. I had no alternative. It's kind of like when you get knocked off the horse, back on. So I just got back in the taxi. And he picked me up some tissues and some water on the way. And he just said, listen, bad things happen everywhere. Go cry it out, take a shower and then forget about it. It's, it's, it's nothing to hold wisdom, to. wisdom from a stranger, a taxi driver. One tries to slash you and the other one tries to bless you with wisdom. Exactly. And I said to him, wait, I'm going to grab you some money as soon as I got home. And, and he was like, I won't be here when I get, when you get back, just take my advice and leave it. And I was like, wow. Yeah, I was so kindness from strangers. Kindness from strangers. He was incredible. But what's interesting about that story is that what that taught me is that Fear is 100% there for a reason. It keeps us safe. It is evolutionarily speaking, biologically speaking, we need fear. We need to be able to see a snake and say, you know, it's the classic biology textbook example. You see a snake and your amygdala detects the threat. It says, okay, we're in danger here. You can either fight or flight this. You've got all this adrenaline in your body. So you either right. run for the hills or you get up and fight the thing is though and in this particular example for this taxi like my survival was being questioned you know there was that was absolutely the right yeah right happened in my body but what happened then is that my brain creates a story about it i create this whole secondary load of fears which says you know fear of people and fear of trust and fear of whatever it is and those are the neural pathways that are actually yeah 
because it's got nothing to do with what actually happened and everything to do with the irrational side the fear that I'm creating that's just going to be running in my life as patterns all the time that's the one that's really difficult to notice and then transform so that it doesn't have a hold on your life um so for me it was such an incredible lesson because The world we live in today is not about whether we see a snake or not most of the mm. time God. sure the things we deal with today on a daily basis is is that guy at work going to judge me if i didn't hand in my work on time right or, you know is this guy that i'm going on a date with going to think that i'm not good enough because xyz is whatever it is fill in the blank like whatever your i'm not good enough fear is and our brains are not quite evolved enough to figure out the difference between the two. And so we're constantly kept in our comfort zone. But in my opinion, life does not happen inside the comfort zone. It happens right outside the gate of yeah. the comfort zone. And so you have to then learn Folks, I hope you're listening to this. Life does not happen inside the comfort zone. <laughs> I tried that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I really, you know, there is absolutely a lot of um, incredible wisdom in fear as well. And I've got this great quote, I've written it down because I knew I was going to forget it, by Rachel Hoover. It's called, it says, fear is the brain's way of saying that there is Fear is complete there. Say that again for us, Susie. We may have lost that. Fear is the brain's way. Fear is the brain's way of saying that there is something important for you to overcome. Powerful. Yeah, you said that in your article too, right? And we'll share that article, by the way, out on our newsletter. So we'll watch out for that. Um, I think that was a very pertinent point in your, in your email, in your, in your blog about that, actually. Um, it's the brain's way. It is the brain's way. Communicating to you, it's, part, it's there for a reason. And I think so much of the time, the reason... I say befriend your fear as opposed to fight your fear because I've realized there's a lot of that energy in personal development. It's all about fighting your fears and overcoming the struggle of fear and you know stand up and face it. And I think it's a very kind of aggressive energy. Um, but actually, if you can love your fear and come to fear with compassion and know that it's there for a reason and it's there to walk by your side, just say, hey, look, you know, it's almost like having a conversation I, I i guess what you're saying almost make you know the title of the show is make fear your friend you almost see fear as a friend it's a companion and you're almost having a conversation with that fear that means you need to have just like a friend you need to allow that fear to speak as opposed to the paradigm that we're taught in the self-development movement, the popular paradigm in self-development is, of course, ignore fear. Just do it anyway. Uh, just forget about it. Just crush it. Break yeah. through it. But what you're talking about is, uh, is a different approach. You're talking about listening to what that fear is because it actually might be teaching you something. And that doesn't mean that you agree with what it's trying to teach you, but it does mean that you give it the time and the airspace to hear it and give it, sound it out. Is, is, is that what you're gaining? Getting, getting up. I think, I think what I want people to take away is that fear has a voice, and it's really important to recognise how it speaks to you. Because so much of the time, we love to, oh, the anxiety in my chest, or oh, the, I, I don't, you know, we go straight to that fight or flight mode and make really quick decisions. I'm actually taking a step back, getting conscious. Where is it coming from? And I think one of the really valuable things I learned in my journey is that we have so many different incredible senses in our body. We've got our brain, which in the Western world is really dominant. It's just running the show. We've got, especially the left side of brain, very logical, very, um, very input-output. But it's important to know that our brain is incredibly powerful and it works like a computer what you put in comes out and it speaks to you in language it speaks in thoughts but then you've got your heart center which actually researchers 
have found heart waves can be detected from much farther afield than brain waves. And you've got an incredible emotional center here and it communicates to you in feelings, it communicates in right. But then you've got your gut, which I get. I'm so passionate about the psychology of gut because I think it's right. overlooked. And there are so many incredible neural neural connections in your gut, and the gut feeling is a real thing. And the way that your gut communicates is very much in a binary way. It's it's yes, no, move towards, move away from. Feels good, feels wrong. Um, and they all speak to you in completely different ways. And I think for me. I've learned that fear tends to talk in language in my brain. And the thing is, because your brain is this unbiased, completely magical machine, whatever you put in, it will put out. Mm. Really putting in fear, it is just going to constantly put that out. It's going to create it in my whole being very, very strongly. Right. And then it kind of shows up and manifests for you in your life, right? Meet fear. Meet fear as friends is to recognize that, that fear is, is, is like, doubt is like a seed of fear. And it's that doubt that creates those, those neural pathways in your brain and that, that voice that comes through as fear. And one way to get over that is to meet it with faith and to meet it with compassion, with love. And that's very much a heart-based experience as a heart language and I think instead of just going okay I've detected a threat quickly act it's like okay I've detected a threat let me have this sink into my heart center let me practice my faith on this in order to counteract the fear and that can be done in so many ways that could be done through meditation it can be done through surrounding yourself in nature it can be journaling and morning pages, anything that has you get in touch with the divine, whatever that is be, something larger than yourself. Nature right. wants to talk about that. Put yourself in a, on a mountainside or yeah. where, you, where you really get the scale. And uh, with that and practicing that, I think it's much easier to detect voice. Right. I like that. I like that. Um, I think that's a powerful strategy. What else? Are there any other tools or tips you'd like to share in regards to this fresh paradigm about making fear our friend? I think, I think really it's just about, I really just do think it's about practicing getting into your heart. I think Brené Brown talks about this. She talks about courage a lot and her comes from that Latin word heart. And I think it's just about living a life that's mindful and conscious from the heart. I think that's the best way. And I was going to say the fastest, but that's not true. It's not the fastest way. Right. The easiest way, the most effective way, I think, is to learn to live with it. It's like anything, it's building a muscle, it's a practice, it's not. It's not something, you know, you asked at the beginning, are we all born with fear or do we learn fear? And, and I think it's a bit of both. We have that survival. Yes, I, I, make, I, I, I agree. I mean, I guess I would make, for me, the, 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 I would, the distinction that I make is between fright and fear. You know, I, I, I feel that we're, we're born with fright. We're not born with fear, but we are born with fright. That fright is, I, I guess, what you're referring to is, is, is the fight or fright mechanism. If a, a rabbit, for example, has a fright mechanism, you know, if it sees danger, it runs. If it didn't have that fight or fright mechanism, if it didn't have that reptilian brain acting on cue, then it could get eaten. But fear, fear, I think, is a learned response because somebody said you're ugly, because somebody bullied you, because somebody said this, because somebody said you're not good enough, you know, because, you know, you never went uh, or, you, or you almost drowned in a swimming pool. So you never want to go back near water again. All this is a learned response. And 
you know, what better way to unlearn than to get back into the intellect and the heart centers to use them both not and not shut fear out, right? It's almost like welcome the fear in, give it a cup of tea and sit it down and say, okay, what are we going to learn here? What's the lesson here? Exactly. It really is about learning the lesson and knowing that it's there to teach you a lesson. Right. Love that. Yeah, really, because we have, I think in this world, it's this, it's a really, in particular, a Western. Mm. This whole fear-based thing is very, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's inaccurate, but for somebody who's traveled a bit in places, I really do see this as a Western thing where fear is something to be feared. It's like this constant. Fear is something to be feared, right. Maybe they should change that to fear is something to, to learn from. Fear is something to learn from because it's so human. I do not know one human being. I do not care who you are. I know you've experienced fear and I know that their fear has the same name as mine and it goes something like, I'm not good enough at this because blah, blah, blah. every time. Like I, I know that the most human experience, like you said, it is learned and uh, in the same way that we can learn it, we and I think that's another thing I've learned in my life is that as I grow up, it's all about unlearning. It's not about learning more stuff and learning more information. It's about getting back to just being, just getting rid of as many layers as I can, as many stories that I've made up in my brain. So, yeah, it's definitely it's a journey of unlearning and it's a journey of accepting and staying conscious and mindful. Yeah, it's uh, it's unlearning the fear response that we've been used to, the fearing fear response, and it's kind of taking a new curious learning response. It's a curious response. I think there's we're talking about inquisitiveness, curiosity to sit down and fear, say, okay, well, what are you trying to teach me here? You know, what is it? What is it that we're trying to? You know, what is it that you're afraid of? I, one technique that I used to, I I kind of have used in good good ways is um, just what is the worst that could happen? You know, and you know, what is the worst? What's possibly the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. Getting married. You know, what is the worst that could happen? Well, you get a divorce. Fine. You might have to pay some alimony. Are you going to be okay physically? Yeah. Are, Are you safe? Yeah. Can you still build a life? Yes. So I think looking at each situation, whether it's marriage, whether it's, you know, a job, you, you know, you make a big decision or you move to a new city. What's the worst that could happen? Okay. You don't make it out. Okay. You've kept a pot of money. There is a reserve fund. All right. Move out of that city. I think looking at it in that kind of, well, what's the worst that could happen is another tool. Yeah. 100%. It is. I mean, that is the difference I think between being before and me now knowing what I know about fear is that before I would feel the fear and it would just freak out so much that I would like let's have a conversation with myself and my and my thoughts and when you are able to do that and take it it's just it revolutionizes the game because you don't go straight into a rational yeah way of thinking yeah, completely. Um, let's talk about momentum as well. Um, how can momentum be used in, in in diminishing the voice of fear? Momentum. Is that what you said? Yeah, momentum. I think momentum is really important because I think the best way to get over fear is to get into action. I think when you stop to get stagnant and let fear fester, it just grows and grows and grows until you're completely overwhelmed and you can't move. Whereas taking action, even though you might not feel like it, is the best way to be bigger than fear. And I think, when I think of momentum, I think of that um, that Japanese martial art, I think it's called Aikido, is that right? Yeah, so you, Aikido, where you re-divert energy. Yeah, well, you, when you use like an opposing force's energy, sort of as your fuel, as your... Uh, you use the momentum basically from another person to get back at them. And I think 
in the same way, momentum is really a key to getting over your fear. If you can get that feeling, decide to rise to the challenge, take action anyway, and just keep your momentum with it, the fear is so small and it's too late for it to have any impact because you're already right. in, you're already there, you're already present. Like you've got no time or choice to be sitting worrying about it. You're already in whatever it is that you're fearing. So I really do think that whenever you feel fearful about something, it's a sign to just go for it, take it. So that means, yeah, that, that is momentum. So it's learning, sitting down and then maybe taking momentum and saying, okay, well, let's give it a go. And, you know, those of you who missed it, um, we're, we're talking to Susie who has probably in some ways probably had more than her fair share of fears. If you missed it, she got kidnapped um, in a taxi and was uh, physically harmed and had to run, jump out of her taxi midway. Everything that she had on her was taken away. She's had to move country. We haven't even talked about her Kilimanjaro uh, episode where she had to climb Kilimanjaro. Is, was that right? Did you have to climb? Did you climb Kilimanjaro without all the protective gear? So it's a really funny story. I, my, I, I had, I'm big on my bucket list and it was just on there, climb a mountain. Like, right, know. go climb a mountain without any training, without any proper training. And my mom said, I'm going to do it. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, yeah, sure. I didn't train. I didn't, I didn't research nothing until about the night before. Right. <laughs> and um, I get to Tanzania and we lose our luggage and then our luggage arrives. We had to delay our trip a day. And then our luggage arrives and everybody is missing something key. Like thermals are missing. So I had no like thermal trousers. We were walking in minus 15 degree hailstorms just so that everybody knows. I was wearing like, literally we were just like sharing each other's stuff, trying to figure out a way to stay warm and stay dry because we had waterproofs that went missing. We had thermals that went missing. We had head has wow. gone missing. And you're like climbing the summit at midnight in pitch black and like this. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was a challenge to say the least. But I think it taught me so much climbing Mount Kilimanjaro because we had met people coming up on the way that were professional mountaineers and they told us about all the incredible mountains that they had, um, they had walked and climbed. And here I was, no experience, with a group of people who had no experience. And when we bumped into them at the airport, and we had all made the summit, and they didn't. And they had so many complaints and so many reasons. And I just thought, you know what? It is so about mindset. It's got nothing to do with how physically able you are at all. Because you weren't even equipped and you still made it. We weren't equipped. We hadn't planned it. We hadn't, we hadn't Amazing. trained nothing. Um, mindset it's that it's such an important point and i'm asthmatic like i <laughs> i'm really like, on top of that my gosh so we had an emergency tank of oxygen just in case i didn't actually use it the whole time getting up there um so yeah no, i mean it was really just one foot in front of the other and it was just such when i got to the summit and it was it was tough i couldn't help myself i Right, because yeah, like, you know what? Everything that says to you in your brain, you can't do this. You're tired. You're physically exhausted. Like really, on summit day, I was falling asleep on my poles as I was going up this like you know gradient. I was like that. So it was really physically challenging, but it was all about one step at a time every thought that popped into my head it was like bounce that away it's just just the next step just the next baby step to push me that little bit more outside of my physical comfort zone outside of my mental comfort zone all of it and then you get to the top and you're like yes actually it is just about every little conversation every time it pops into your head 
grab it, accept it, and then ping it back if you want to, or just say thanks for your input, not right now. And you just keep going like that. And such is life. I think, I, and, and we have so many people agreeing, um, Noah's coming in, Pooja's coming in, and, and, and we're hearing the same phrase, mindset is everything, mindset is everything. There's so many people agreeing with this, listening on this show. Um, and that's such a true point, Pooja, um, the emotional expert with us, well regarded on social media um, with her own skill sets. Mindset is everything, it really is. So that's really a deep and an insightful thing. So we talked about mindset and that's, and summing it up, we've talked about mindset. We've talked about becoming friendly and allowing us and learning to have a conversation with fear and not disregarding it, not trampling over it, but asking in a spirit of curiosity, what, what can we learn? Um, what about journey versus outcome let's touch on that for a moment you know people are sometimes very goal orientated and they 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 they're, they're looking at the outcome and then there's the whole thing about the journey but wow i've got this far ahead and maybe it's something that's actually good for you you know that it's actually good for you but the fear is preventing you from wanting to do it where does that balance between journey versus outcome come into it in your opinion i think for me i'm a fan of, of visualizations I'm a huge fan of having something out there to reach towards but not grasping onto it sort of you know let it out let it be have it be something that's real to you but then don't have it be about the outcomes because those really don't last and if you're constantly measuring yourself comparison to a specific outcome you're either winning or losing you're either good or bad you're either forward or kind automatically somewhere in relation to an outcome and life is just too short for that I think life is all about the journey and like I said don't get me wrong you can have your the places you want to get to you can have the job that you want to have you, can have you know you can have all of those things but it's all about being present you know looking up and enjoying the ride and me if you're truly in the journey and like really experiencing every aspect of it there is no such thing as good and bad there is no such thing as a good thing happening and a bad thing happening it's all just growth and learning yeah massive that's massive um and what you're and that's you know you know you can look at it from a psychological perspective um and a western modern psychology perspective but interestingly, the ancients had the same take. Um, if you look back to the Vedas, thousands of years ago, the basic principles of the Vedanta Sutras, some of the oldest books known to mankind, is, is a non-dualistic approach to emotions. Now, Bhagavad Gita talks about happiness, distress, pain and pleasure, you know, um, cold and heat, all being opposing emotions that are things that we're just attributing a value to. And we place value judgments on those things, those experiences, and that becomes that emotion. And in actuality, we're unaffected um, and we can remain unaffected, but we allow ourselves to become entangled in that emotion and therefore we suffer or enjoy according to the emotion that we're experiencing. And I think you've just beautifully said it, that you know, there is no such thing in a sense. It's a hard thing to get our heads around. Um, <laughs> Um, and I do have one or two questions that have been coming in and I wanted to just fire them your way as we look to wrap this up. Um, one that has come in on my phone is, do you think it's true that some people are naturally more fearful than others? And should your strategy for overcoming fear be different depending on whether your temperament is anxious by default? Do you think it's true that some people are naturally more fearful than others? And should the strategy for overcoming fear be different depending on whether your temperament is anxious by default? That's, a, that's an interesting question. And it, I mean, I don't claim to have the answer to that. I think but, it's subjective, right? It's got to be. I'm going to give you my, I'm going to just give you my opinion. Yeah. I think that, so 
some people are I don't I don't know if I believe that some people are naturally as in born more fearful than others. I think it really is about the neural pathways you are creating in your brain. Right. And I don't mean to say that like, you know, people are intentionally doing it and they just they have no idea. I think I think in, in in so many ways we are incredibly resilient and we are also incredibly fragile. We actually we take so much from our environment and I think people who are more anxious and more fearful are that way for a reason. I think that there is somewhere along the way there is a storyline that you can trace back. And I think a lot of it is about that, it's just about tracing it back. What was the thought? What was the feeling? What was the voice? What was the trigger? What was the trigger of that trigger? And you just keep going. It's a recursive quiz. Yeah, recursive in- inquiry, right? Of course, not everybody's patient to do that. People, they just want to... CBT, right, um, is another CBT. CBT, which uh, actually I think is a great therapy. I'm not a fan of all therapies. As, as somebody who loves psychology, I'm not a fan of all types of therapy. Um, but I do think CBT is it really does break down yeah. all of those things. And it's one of those that's quite, quite, act, it's, it's quite quickly applicable. You can kind of use it and get results, you know, you know, obviously combining it with the tapping, right. That you do with, you do it with, with tapping as well. So you've got EFT as well. When you combine CBT and EFT, it becomes a powerful tool that can, you've got stage fright, you've got to do a presentation, you know, bringing these tools can be used quite quickly. Gestalt and some other therapies are probably a little bit more, you know, it's a longer term thing. And well, you're the psychologist here. No, but you know, honestly, out of all of those things, all of those tools, the thing that I, th- I think if, if you suffer with fear and anxiety more, I would say, and for me, I found this in my journey, and this is just my opinion, I think that it's, it's about getting out of your brain and into your heart, because I think so much of the time we try and logically figure a way out of um, anxiety, and it's just, it, you do get lost in peril, because the, the thing that's attacking you is the you're trying to get you're trying to use the same tool to get out of and I don't think that makes much sense I think you have to embody something more in the heart get to your courage center into your loving center compassion center and practice things like meditation things like mindfulness sports just being physical um and being out in nature and morning pages I read an incredible book called The Artist's Way and they right just every morning you wake up first thing you do is get your journal and your pen and you just write, you know, right. three pages and you can write, I don't know what I'm doing. This is stupid. I feel awkward. It's just me. And I don't know what to write, whatever it is, start off there. That's your brain. And then eventually you'll get into your subconscious and you'll get into your heart and you'll just start flowing. And I think it's those kinds of practices that are the, are the most effective way in overcoming the fear that, that this is here. Yeah, I like that. So we'll add those in. Uh, we'll add those into our list, um, a morning practice of some some sort. And obviously, this is the theme that we often hear, right? Meditation, uh, spending some time in mindfulness, whether that be through breathing or writing and committing thoughts to paper, as you're saying, through journaling and getting a couple of pages. And I know some people um, have a daily morning digest of 30 minutes of reading, and that is their breakfast. Their breakfast is reading. It's their digest. They skip physical breakfast. And uh, they go with just digesting words and allowing those words to ruminate, inspire them. And I think that's a powerful thing to do. Uh, Pooja says she loves automatic journaling. Sati coming in, Sati. Hey, Sati, thanks for joining. Um, another 5 a.m. club guy wakes up crazy early, um, part of the BNI network. He says gratitude journaling, writing a gratitude journal and, and making notes in the gratitude journal. I think that's an awesome, awesome thing to do. Noha, Noha coming in, Noha, uh, deep breathing helps too. Yeah, some of these simpler techniques, people don't realize how profoundly good they can be when you're fearful and you just kind of really deep breathe, for example, and then just kind of hold that space. Like you said, instead of running away from the fear, you breathe deeply and almost you breathe into that fear, right? And that's the thing. That's a process in itself. I say to people a lot, like breathe into it. I mean it literally, yeah. Breathe into it, lean into it, literally, yeah. 
I love that folks. Um, we're coming towards the end of this and I think we've had some great strategies come out of this and some great contributions in the comments. So do check the comments. We've had some really good listeners here, people who've obviously walked the path of fear and some really good advice coming in. Keep folks, you're, if you're still tuned in, keep pitching in with your comments because there's some great fear advice coming in. I think it's great to get that sort of um, holistic view of different strategies because not all strategies will work for all people. And that's the beauty of us coming together like this in this forum. This conversation has triggered so many other strategies. I love it. And Susie, you'll get to catch it up um, afterwards and you see all the amazing comments that are coming through. Guys, click in and share your other strategies and tactical, both tactical and strategic approaches to dealing with fear. And those I'm sure will be beneficial to everybody who watches this live later on as well and on our podcast. Susie, I want to wrap up by doing a quick fire round with you and throw you in a few unexpected questions. First and foremost, if you could be a superhero and be given any superpower of your choice, what would that superpower be and what would you do with it? Um, I would, I would, I would pick one or two. I would either like talk to animals. <laughs> I think that would be okay. the most fun superpower ever just because I think I would learn so much. Okay. Um, yeah, love my nature or I would fly. I mean, cause you can't beat that. I think I love travel. I love, I'd love the idea of just being able to stop anywhere else in the world, but I don't think that there's much contribution <laughs> in that necessarily. Okay. I would love to be able to fly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, learn to fly. Okay. What advice would you give if teenage Susie, you know, who's kind of was doing her doing her college education was sitting here with you now. What advice would you give teenage Susie? Ooh, I would tell her to be present. Really, I would just say look up enjoy take it in and be present this is perfect right now you don't know it yet but it's perfect you're right where you're meant to be you're right where you're meant to be i love that mantra yeah you're right where you're meant to be i love that okay and what projects are you presently pursuing and what's on Susie's radar I'm very much into social entrepreneurship at the moment. I'm looking at creating an app which brings people together in a new and fun way. I'm really, okay. Yeah, I'm really interested in learning and figuring out a way to make uh, technology a way for connection as opposed to disconnection. That's a big thing that we're dealing with at the moment. Um, and also just getting more into writing. I'm working on I've been working on a book for a while. Um, fear had stopped me, but I'm picking it back again. You've picked it up. Yeah, Momentum has kicked in, Susie. Exactly. It's about getting back. It really is. It's about okay. getting back to day by day. Um, so, yeah, book and, uh, yeah, just sharing as much as I can. I love that. And, of course, your blog as well, which you're picking up. And my blog. Wild Soulful Hearts, folks. Uh, we'll have the link here, so check out Susie's writings. So I guess that just leaves us to say thank you and a quick heads up. So before we say thanks, Susie, um, first of all, you came in late. I know you're a 5 a.m.er, so um, it's just awesome that you managed to uh, join us. You'll have, have a... Like 15 and a half hours or something now, like 17 hours have been awake today. <laughs> wow. I know. No nap today. No nap. You're looking, you're looking very well, Susie, and staying hydrated. It's an awesome thing. So um, I want to thank you, obviously, for making the time to be with us. It's been a joy to have you. Folks, I'm sure if you've tuned in, I hope that you found Susie's fresh and insightful journey into fear, uh, both edifying and beneficial, because I feel that certainly there are fresh takes that Susie shared insights that hopefully will help you in your own journey in embracing fear and hopefully starting to rewrite the conversation, the dialogue, the internal dialogue that we have around fear from one of suppress suppression and running away from to embracing and almost becoming curious and conversing with that fear. I think that's a massive change 
a perspective and a massive, but it's actually quite straightforward if we can embrace it. That's the thing. It's not a complicated thing. And I think it's just a, a shift that requires to happen both in our mindset and our attitude. And if we can do that, we can have massive things. And, you know, Susie, you've learned so much from climbing up Kilimanjaro with completely nothing and totally all prepared and still reaching the summit compared to people who were much more prepared and who didn't reach the summit on that same day to being kidnapped in a car and being thrown out, jumping out midway from a guy who's running a knife at you whilst driving the car and taking all your belongings to being saved by somebody who didn't even know you. Just the magic and the traumas that you've gone through to help shape the wild, soulful heart that you are. Susie, it's been a pleasure to have you. Folks, I hope you've appreciated Susie's time and the wisdom that you've had on this show as much as I have. And all that remains for me to say is, please, if you're enjoying what we're doing, continue to support us. Tune in. We will continue to have shows. We rely on feedback and kind hearts. So continue to support what we're doing and help us grow and spread authentic, BS-free, and free-spirited wisdom for the masses. And that's all we're trying to do here. Every time, every show, every episode we have, we always bring people together who are real and who have real stories. Show us your love, support us. Make sure if you haven't already, please leave a like on the Mantra Therapy page, uh, especially those of you who have tuned in for the first time. It's a pleasure to have you. Welcome, namaste. Leave a little like, follow us. We have a YouTube channel. We'll put the link and we will have these videos, including this fantastic interview up on YouTube in due course. So do subscribe to the Mantra Therapy YouTube channel. It's actually called Urban Spirituality. It's our sister brand. So do sign up on YouTube. And before I finish, we have breaking news. For those of you who are listening to this and thinking, what are we going to do in 2019? I have the answer. We're going to take you away for four days to the incredible Buckland Hall Country Resort, the UK's number one retreat center from the 8th to the 11th of March 2019 is the place to be. We'll be running our third detox and transformation retreat, which is one of our most popular retreats in the past eight years. And we'll be taking us and we will be refreshing, detoxing our mind, our spirit, our emotions, shedding unwanted baggage, overcoming the fears that we need to and embracing our genuine and authentic selves. Four days in the beautiful Brecon Beacons, 8th to 11th of, Fe of 8th to 11th of March 2019. Ping a note, get in touch with us if you're interested. We're taking early bookings, early birds, and we'll have four powerful transformative days. Hopefully, Susie, you'll be able to join us, and we'll have you facilitate and take a workshop and share your wisdom with eager hearts and enthusiastic souls so that's all on the radar to come and last but not least on the 9th of december if those of you who are listening are in in anywhere near london or those of us our friends who tune in from australia and the us we love you guys and we'd love to invite you to come to london the 9th of december would be a good day this is for men we're running a fantastic one day masterclass on men empowerment called the Men Empowerment Academy. And we'll be taking one day a masterclass on how to help men overcome challenges that we face and to really get authentic and face up to the things that we want to do and step up and accomplish our goals and really work through things that we can't always do in the company of other people. If you felt that you're a man and you can't reveal your true self and you have to put on a face, the 9th of December is the place you need to be. We'll be getting real with like-minded, conscientious men who want to make this world a better place one man at a time, starting with us, the man in the mirror. So join us. All this and more to come. Big thanks to everybody who's joined us. Um, Susie's tribe, the Mantra Therapy and Urban Spirituality tribe, everybody who shows up regularly, Pooja, uh, Mitilesh, uh, Ricky, Rashmi, everybody who shows up, just everyone. You make this show what it is. We love you guys for being with us. Thank you so much. Susie. <laughs> what can I say? No, I really appreciate it. I really, really appreciate it. It's hard to just be able to talk and share and vibe. It's, it's special. So. It's been magic. Guys, 
Look after yourselves. Watch out for all those amazing things. Tune in next week. We have another incredible episode with a very special guest from Professional Asian. She's going to be, she's one hell of a savvy professional who's got one hell of a story to tell. Next Wednesday, we will be on and we'll see you guys. Share a like, love, comment, share it out. We'll see you guys soon. Peace out. Namaste from me, Prash. Susie, God bless and uh, Shubhratri. Namaste. Hey folks, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And as with all our episodes, found something to inform, inspire, and empower you in your spiritual and personal journeys in life. As always, if you enjoyed it, feel free to leave a little love through your ratings and comments. Share it with those who you care about. And take your personal and spiritual evolution to the next level by joining us on one of our events, workshops, or retreats. Find out more about us at mantratherapy.co.uk. I'm your host, Prash K. This is Urban Spirituality, and we will catch you on the next episode.